0: Fifty seven the Time Talk Radio seven ninety K A B C Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Hey Rob Marinko, do you know yes. a you know a Dan Ventry, uh, out of New York City? Dan Ventry, you know him? No. That's good, because he's a vampire. He rips the heads off of pigeons, and he drinks their blood. Oh, that's disgusting. So I think it's really good that you don't know
1: this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a PCP thing or a meth thing?
0: Uh, you know, it's hard to tell, Randy. We don't have that in the in the story here. But he is facing animal cruelty charges, good. whatever motivated it, for killing at least one pigeon uh, in near Bryant Park there in if Midtown. If you killed now, one I pigeon...
2: You've probably killed a few. That's
0: probably true. Uh, Witnesses saw the homeless man ripping the head off of the pigeon (laughs) while standing shin-deep in the park's fountain, Brad Park there, and slurping down the dead bird's blood. He told horrified onlookers he was a vampire and he needed the blood to survive. Uh, Cops caught up with him a short time later as he tried to jump the turnstile at a nearby train station. He's all covered with... Pigeon blood. I think if I had done that I would have behaved myself for uh-huh. for a little while. Kind Instead of, of jumping profile. the turn stuff. Yeah, yeah low profile. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. They they say um, we arrested him for criminal trespass because of the turnstile thing. Uh-huh. That was the real crime. He <laughs> ate a pigeon. We don't care. That's we right. could
1: stand to lose a pigeon or two.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so then the cops say that he then confessed uh-huh. that he killed a pigeon. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he take the fifth, you know?
1: Exactly. You well, coppers they, can't
0: make me talk. No, you got to understand. Yeah. He's got to say he
1: ate a pigeon. He's got blood all over <laughs> his shirt. They're going to think he killed a guy.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> The cops returned to the park and found the bird's remains. Okay, oh, that's Exhibit oh, A right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to have a psychiatric review. I think I agree with that. I think that's a prudent thing to do. And when they
2: started asking questions, he went...
0: <laughs> Pass- Party goers, uh, park goers that is, were stunned and sickened by his antics. According to Wendy McComb, age 30, it makes me sad... Everyone, including the pigeons, are just coming here to hang out. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. So PETA has to, you know.
2: Well, hang out and poop sure, on everybody. Sure. Exactly
0: right. Others were confused by Ventry's undead persona. According to Julian Johnny, age 25, last name is J-O-H-N-Y, what kind of name is Johnny? Nah. Okay, so Julian says, it's fairly weird, uh, why would you eat pigeons? If, you, if you're if you a vampire, why would you do that? Think about it, vampires don't eat pigeons. So Julian is trying to, you know, well, use Well, he's got lo- a good logic. point. That's yeah, true. He says, the other time I was here, there was a guy diving in there for pennies, and the police tackled him. Weird things happen at this fountain. Dude. Yeah, he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that one witness said, it's a cry for help for sure. Hmm. I don't know. Is every stupid or evil thing a cry for help? 559, the time. Talk radio 790K ABC Royal. And for Doug, stay with us. 657, the time. Talk radio 790K ABC Royal Oaks. And for Doug McIntyre, happy Labor Day to you all. That's funny. i got a little tar here in my hand. Um, what happened? I, oh, I, don't, I don't know where I got picked it up. I wish I had some orange glow. You have any orange glow over there, uh, Rob Marinko? <laughs> no, I don't have any yeah, orange glow. Yeah, you see glow. Rob started this. He he was talking with James Earl House about the fires, and you were saying, I, I didn't see as much of an orange glow on the hillside. And you
2: think that somebody has uh, giving the, the old paola to mention orange glow? I
0: love orange glow. You know, around the house, he just uh, cleans stuff up, sap and, just and tar. Just used some and last so night. Yeah, it's really terrific. Yeah. I think, you know, if you if you actually get a check from the Orange Glow people mm-hmm. after the fact, if you didn't make an arrangement, then maybe that would be legal. I don't know.
2: I don't know. You say it's Orange Glow is the product, right?
0: I, I believe so, you yeah. cleans things up. Yeah, uh, there's a hyphen right. in there. I'll so, send this to sales as a spec yeah. spot. <laughs> all right. So uh, <laughs> we've been talking about Hurricane Harvey. Uh, one professor uh, in Florida just uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of common sense. Uh, He was a University of Tampa visiting professor. Uh, He goes on Twitter and he suggests that mm, Texas deserved the devastation from Hurricane Harvey because it voted Republican in the 2016 election. Oh, that's special. Pretty clever guy, huh? Yeah. Kenneth Story is his name. He How did he po- get all the way to be a professor and still be that dumb? I don't know. Uh, of course, he's a sociology professor. I don't think a chemical engineering professor would do. No, that. this doesn't have to be a sociology <laughs> professor. So he's uh, he thought after the response came in, it was a little negative. He, he he thought it would be brilliant to to take it down and remove his picture from the website. It didn't exactly work. Uh, he's he's now been fired. I think that's the biggest surprise of the story is that he was fired absolutely he i mean it's so it's impossible we were just reading a story recently some some guy on the job he he just clobbers the boss assault and battery well he he was really sorry so they didn't fire him they suspended him (laughs) there's another guy he, he can't work because he's asleep on the job all the time now i know rob you don't know anybody like that no around here but this guy chronically couldn't and they said well He's got narcolepsy, so we can't fire him. But you mean you have to keep paying him? <laughs> even though, On the other hand, maybe he did less damage while asleep. Ah, uh, Fair point. Yeah, very mm. good. But you're right. That's mm. the news story. This just in, a guy's actually fired for doing something really stupid. Well, it's 659, ladies and gentlemen, on KBC. Stick around because Sean Steele is going to be explaining Trump to us. Stay with us. Good morning. Good morning. Time right to get up, get out of bed and get smart
1: it's mcintyre in the morning with doug mcintyre Leanne and tweeden news randy wang sports and bill thomas
0: traffic 707 the time talk radio 790 KABC, royal oaks in for doug mcintyre hope you all have a wonderful holiday rob Marenko, how are you uh, just doing fine, thank you, Royal. You were mentioning the e- eerie concept of laughing through nuclear war, but I remember one of my very favorite. It's, it's gallows humor is what well, it is. Wow! what about Dr. Strangelove? I mean, uh, we were just well, laughing our asses off. Good it, example. It, uh, was those guys were classic performances. George C. Scott uh, uh-huh. uh, and Peter Sellers, of course, had of course. three roles. Yeah, there you go. Look at that! How quick he is. In exactly, there. Randy called up exactly. Um,
2: yeah, keep uh, doing that. Then we don't have to listen to that's Slim Steely, Pickens Steely head, Dan. head
0: down on that uh, on that bomb. So yeah, we we've got a, a long tradition of of taking these things. Uh, uh, you know, too far? Fortunately, yeah, too far. <laughs> fortunately, I am so happy we've got Sean Steele on the show now. He's California National Committeeman for the RNC Republican National Committee because we need somebody to to do some explaining to us about what's happening with the Trump administration. Sean, how are you?
3: Oh, never better. What a, what a, what a great weekend. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, I'm glad to be able to chat with you. I mean, first, I'm interested in the, the White House's uh, approach to this North Korea business. I just wonder what your thought was. I mean, you know, a week or two ago, the president got a lot of flack for his fire and fury line. But now, uh, Secretary Mattis, his, his language isn't a whole lot different. I'm wondering, Sean, what your general feeling is about how the White House is, is handling this, this ridiculousness uh, out of Korea.
3: Yeah, it's uh, the North Korean thing has been incubating for for some 50 or 60 years. And it's really a strange time that we're looking at because uh, now it's finally coming to fruition. Uh, You know, the little what what they call in East Asia, the fat, fat boy is uh, now he's got uh, all kinds of nuclear options. He's got uh, delivery systems. Uh, He doesn't seem to care what everybody else thinks. Uh, but it's been 15 days since Trump has done a strange tweet. I, I actually am one of those that actually counts the tweets, and and you know how you know how how far offline it is, mm-hmm. and so that's an interesting se- scenario in itself. So it seems like he's really focused in taking this seriously. But much more important are the people around him, and he's got generals. In fact, the general of the the Secretary of Army Mattis lost a son in the, in, in the wars in the uh, in the uh, in the Middle East so he understands death he understands the loss to a family so he's got some very serious sober people evaluating every step of the way and then the japanese one little detail about when the when the ballistic missile went over japan mm-hmm. they have a system like amber where all the cell phones in that part of the country automatically say there's a missile going over you right now every single citizen wow. saw that it's terrifying mm-hmm. and so this is this is you know this is one of the great trouble spots of the planet and, and, and the debate's robust. And, and, you know, what do we do? We continue to let this guy go and get away and, you know, develop his nuclear capacity and maybe shake down the South Koreans, and and uh, you know, you, you know, with, with death and destruction, or is there a preemptive strike? We're
0: talking with Sean Steele, really, and Sean, you mentioned a uh, long time. You, you think that uh, Trump is actually changing his M O. in terms of tweets? You think he's just sending fewer tweets, or you think he's sending uh, fewer tweets that actually uh, set off controversy, or what? I,
3: I think when times are stressful. We have one of the greatest man-made disasters in American all history, right. not man-made, uh, natural disasters in American history, handled it very nicely, didn't overplay it, didn't underplay it, took it seriously, uh, did all the right smart things politically. And then internationally, the extremely perilous times when we're actually talking about a a, a nuclear situation that could be uh, that's going to impact every part of the planet. And I think he's listening to his generals and, so, and there's lots of lots of folks that don't like Trump, but uh, even uh, Senator Lindsey says he's got the best military, the best cabinet uh, that uh, people have seen in their lifetime.
0: So we got General Kelly on the job as chief of staff. And how much do you think uh, that these personnel changes? have have had to do with the evolution of the presidency. I mean, Ryan's Priebus is out. General Flynn was gone early on. Steve Bannon now is gone. That was a, a huge deal, obviously. Uh, Sean Spicer's gone. Are you one of those who's optimistic, uh, in spite of some of the reports about uh, Kelly being unhappy about the way Trump spoke to him recently? Do you think he's the kind of guy who can really bring some order to the White House?
3: Well, I think you're going to see a lot less of uh, uh, controversy because it was— Trump used the, uh, used the FDR model. FDR, uh, when he was president, had competing rival factions constantly at his beck and call, attacking each other. But remember, that's before the Internet. Mm-hmm. That's before leaking was uh, popularly used by the, by the media. And so there was constant bickering, fighting back and forth, power plays, people getting fired, thrown out. Uh, but, you know, historically, it's, it's really pretty much the same thing that FDR did, and in a certain sense, even Abraham Lincoln. But nowadays, if anybody says anything, all they got to do is tweet it. All I got to do is email it, mm-hmm. and it becomes a front page of the New York Times. Yes, Kelly seems to be a no-nonsense guy. He doesn't like the controversies. He doesn't like the backbiting. And Trump seems to be very comfortable in a military environment.
0: Now, speaking of historical perspective, and we're, again, talking with Sean Steele, California National Committeeman for the RNC. I mean, his his focus on social media has really resulted in a White House operating, I think, in a radically different way from the past. I mean, before, we were used to White Houses being these finely tuned communications machines Everything gets vetted from substance to style, the words of a speech, body, language. We, we saw Clinton totally you know, captive of the polls. You saw secrecy out of the Nixon White House. This is a paradigm shift. I mean, this is a, a president who seems to sense that, OK, my focus on social media tweeting got me here. I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, the problem is. Or do you see a problem that because the job of getting elected was very different from the job of being a president and implementing your agenda, working with Congress, are you concerned that the president's approach maybe isn't the best in terms of productivity?
3: Well, you know, this is a process in the making in front of us. Uh, it's 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 something that's so radically different because when one time uh, uh, Republicans have tried with really nice people, you know, skilled and thoughtful political campaigners to try to beat the Democrats. And they haven't been able to capture the four upper Midwestern states. Trump did. And Trump always, always has that to point to. You guys tried. I did it my way. I'm president. What are you guys talking about? And That's a pretty powerful argument. Now, what does he do going forward? Now, so far, the domestic uh, uh, hurricane crisis seems to be pretty smooth. Not a lot of people are complaining about lack of attention, a lot of federal support. Uh, it seems to be a good deal of unity. Trump spends time carrying boxes. It looks good visually. So so the, the politics are very smart on that. The nuclear stuff is very, very, very big, and how that gets handled Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those questions that, you know, you scratch your head and what, what would you do? What, how, how would you run it? And so far, I think a lot of Americans have comfort in the, in the generals and the advisors, in the decision-making process, mm-hmm. and Trump's not going to go off half-cocked. I think that's pretty much people understand that this is pretty much a general-run situation. So, there he's changing. Well,
0: what about the hardcore legislative agenda, though? I mean, people want repeal and replace Obamacare. They want infrastructure. They want tax reform. And they see the president kind of feuding with Mitch McConnell. I mean, it doesn't seem very pleasant. I would think that his wife probably feels a little awkward in those cabinet meetings. And then on the um, McCain, I mean, It seems like McCain, his crucial vote against Obamacare, my theory is maybe, you know, some deep-seated resentment about that, you know, I like my prisoner, my heroes not to get captured remark. They say revenge is a dish best served cold. With these kinds of kerfuffles in Congress, I mean, how is Trump going to get the agenda moving unless he's able to work with Congress better than he has in the last six or seven months?
3: Well, the big issue, of course, is in the Senate where you need 60 votes to really do anything meaningful, mm-hmm. and you have 52 Republicans. And the math just doesn't add up. And I don't like the attacks against McConnell because I think he's uh, doing the very best for the cards that he has. It was it was the vote by by. <laughs> Our buddy McCain that made the difference. Mm -hmm. McCain's the one that voted to keep uh, Obamacare, and you see all these uh, uh, videos of his commercials when he was running for re-election that he's got to change it, it's got to abolish it, it's got to go. Terrible for Arizonans, and so McCain's the one that flipped. I think, you know, if you're going to concentrate fire, you concentrate it on McCain. But at this point, it's almost irrelevant. You know, I I, uh, I think the Republicans in the House and the Senate have to solve their own problems. And have to solve their own issues, and uh, I think Trump's realizing that he just doesn't have the power to do much over there, and he's going to have to do what Obama did and do a lot of it administratively, rulemaking, cha- you know, executive orders. And uh, I think you're going to see with DACA, this this new emerging issue, that he's going to say, look, it's over. This uh, the DACA uh, having special consideration for eight hundred thousand uh, illegal uh, aliens. Uh, has got to go over. It's not constitutional. It's not legal. Congress never passed it. It was an executive order, and he's going to give it a six-month window saying, look, I'm not going to do anything for six months. I'm going to give Congress six months to fix it. I think that's the right approach.
0: Well, it seems like a politically smart approach, but, I mean, if if substantively he's against it in a sense saying, well, this is just amnesty, it not only was illegal because it was executive overreach, Obama had no constitutional right to to basically do a legislative function, but beyond that— it sounds like you're predicting he's going to say it's just bad policy. But to to hand the ball over to Congress, it's almost like inviting them to do what they're calling the conservative option in Congress, where they would keep DACA in some form, but they would just tighten it up. They would they would impose more restrictions. Do you think that is going to be seen as a more politically palatable approach? You know, not so hard on, on these kids.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's and they're not kids. The average age is 25. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's keep let's keep that in mind. They're 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 young adults, and sadly, most of them are not highly skilled, uh, which is another factor. You'll see mm-hmm. every one of the, every every now and then, somebody actually, gets through college, which is great, which is admirable. Uh, and thirdly, I, I I really wonder how much uh, many of them are really uh, loving the the opportunity to got in America. I think some do, many don't, and so it's a complicated uh, field. Uh, What Trump's doing, of course, is a a constitutional option. He's uh, ending the executive order. Uh, He's going to give time for uh, six months for for the people to adjust. But most importantly, he's putting the burden right at Congress, as it should be. It's a congressional problem that needs to be solved by Congress. That's probably going to mean some major changes in the uh, immigration policy. And I think it's probably going to be good for, for, for most people.
0: We're talking with Sean Steele, California National Committeeman for the RNC. Sean, how deep is the malaise among Republicans, if there is one, who might be tempted to say, good grief, we had it all. The presidency both has a Congress, a 5-4 lead in the Supreme Court, but we can't seem to move the ball down the field. I mean, is there a strategy that the Republicans have to to make sure that, that there isn't a big downturn? You always suffer some losses in the first term in the off-year election, but is there a strategy to make sure that things don't that the wheels don't come off so that the, the president has a little momentum going into the second half of his first term?
3: Sure. It, it, first, it, it, it's early. It's been a really frustrating six months for Trump, the businessman. A businessman that's used to snapping his fingers, getting things done, moving the agenda, not having to have people weigh him down. And now we've got this complicated thing called a constitutional democracy where everybody gets to weigh in and and it's it's so molasses, and it's designed that way. I happen to like a democratic republic, where one person doesn't have a whole lot of power, uh, where things are deliberate and, and in fact slow. Uh, I think it's uh, safe uh, for most Americans because we don't want to have a snappy executive like Obama, where suddenly you know you, things are going in such a strange direction, nobody has any control or power over that. So Trump's learning that. But uh, keep in mind, we got two parties. The Democrat Party is terribly divided. They don't know what to do with their uh, anti-abortion faction. They don't know what to do with the upper Midwest uh, working class uh, Democrats that have been alienated and forgotten. Uh, they're attacking each other. Uh, you got Keith Ellison, the vice chair, the co-chair of the Democrat Party, who is really pretty viciously fundamentally anti-American. He's a really nasty person. Uh and, and then you got Tom Perez who's who's add added a new level of, of uh disharmony to the Democrat Party where he's not raising any money. They are not a viable organization today. And of course the RNC probably is the most powerful political organization uh of a political party in history. They're they're raising tremendous amounts of money, tremendous unity, uh focus, and here's some nice things going for the Republicans. The House is pretty Probably going to stay in Republican hands uh, unless there's a huge wave election. That's just how it's been set up across the country in, Mm -hmm. in in the 50 states. But it's the Senate. We should be losing ground. But again, two thirds of the Senate seats are in Democrat hands. And in 10 of those states, Trump carried them. Yeah, and I guess that's because states, six
0: years ago was uh, 2012 when Obama won re-election. Right. And so uh, Democrats right. had some good – fortune. so yeah, so it's it's going to actually be pretty hard for the Democrats to make a big tectonic shift uh, next year.
3: And again, again, in politics, 30 days is like a year. Uh, so now we've got another year – uh, for even the primaries to shake out, but you got five of those states where Trump won by twenty points or more. Those Democrats are quaking, and many of them are going to be history. They're going to be gone. So, actually, ironically, despite all the all the strangeness of the political season, Republicans are likely to pick up Senate seats, mm-hmm. may lose a few House seats. We'll see how that turns out. Well, but you right made a, now, you, the odds are good.
0: You made a good, uh, important comment there, Sean, about uh, him being a tycoon, and I think it's a learning process. You know, I, I remember there was a comment out of uh, Harry Truman, uh, who had didn't really like Eisenhower, and so Eisenhower was replacing him. And Truman's comment was, "Poor Ike, he's going to issue an order, and then nothing will happen." Well, as it turns out, Ike, being a, a master politician, uh, that, that's how he worked his way up. He was able to adapt the political to the political life, and did pretty darn good job for for 8 years. Uh now we're going to see if uh, if Trump can adapt from the corporate world as well and but as you say the Democrats don't exactly seem to have their act together. You don't see a coherent theme emerging. You don't know whether it's going to be Elizabeth Warren or Biden or Bernie or who knows. Maybe maybe Hillary will get back into the fray. And
3: and and their candidates are getting older. They're they're still in their 70s. There's not a young, smart dynamic democrat
0: oh you're forgetting America. our los angeles mayor eric garcetti uh, i i think he's, yeah, been, he's, he's been in the snows of new hampshire lately
3: <laughs> he needs a change of uh, change of wardrobe I, I just pajamas is not going to work in pennsylvania
0: sean Steele, california national committeeman for the rnc thank you so much for sharing part of your holiday you have a great day
3: lots of fun guys thanks
0: thanks take care 724 the time talk radio 790 kabc royal oakson for doug mcintyre bill thomas how's the traffic? 728th, the time, Talk Radio 790k ABC. Happy Labor Day to you all. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. So, Rob Marinko, uh, remember a few years ago there was a story about a guy who goes to his ATM and his zip code is, let's say, 91000. And, doggone if the ATM doesn't think that's his balance. So, they give him $91,000. And he's running around doing... He ends up in jail, okay? So, fast forward. We have a young woman... Sibongil Mani is her name. She's 27 years old. She's studying in South Africa, and she's on a benefit program. She gets $108 bucks a month for food and books and so on for college. Well, oh God, if the bank doesn't mess up and they deposit this month, not $108, but $1,080,000. They got like four spaces wrong on, yeah, on the decimal apparently. point. So she goes on a spending spree. <laughs> she uh, eyebrows were raised when her neat cornrow hairstyle was replaced with two hundred thirty dollars a pop Peruvian weaves. I never pay more than two hundred. No, my say.
2: Peruvian wave—that's the uh, one ninety—is the. Most all go.
0: Brand new iPhone 7, uh-huh. designer outfits. She's slinging cash around to her friends. They'd get new outfits, $65 bottles of whiskey. They're jetting around the country to uh, attend wild parties. So people grow suspicious, you know. Uh, they're talking about her online and so on. Finally, she's outed by Samkello Makahi. He's Deputy Branch Secretary of the uh, South African Students Congress. He reports her and... She'd been throwing surprise birthday parties, showering people with gifts. It was a two and a half month spending spree. uh they figured out she was blowing eight hundred sixty dollars a day. The total missing from the account is sixty five grand uh glamorous, beautiful dresses so um uh she's been busted, so the the party's over. You're gonna have to pay it back yeah she she she's a little defensive. she says it is very clear I didn't make this error. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, you, as uh, Mr. (laughs) Lawyer Pants over there, you you, you know if uh, banks and other businesses are allowed to make errors, and you are not allowed to... Yeah, you can't profit from that. You can't take somebody else's money. It's
0: like Mr. Zip Code. Yeah, I I have a feeling she's going to have the same fate, but at least she had a good time, and her friends had a great time, (laughs) while it lasted. 7.30 The Time here, Talk Radio 790-K-ABC, Rob Marinko with the headlines... 748 The Time, Talk Radio 790 K-A-B-C, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Hope you all have a wonderful Labor Day out there. Hey, we got some more tickets to give away. Adam of Hollywood already won the Pete Townsend tickets. And now, if you are the fourth caller, to one 800 222 kabc you will win L.A. County Fair end-of-summer concert series tickets with Sticks and Kansas September 16, the LA County Fair is running now through September 24th, and you can buy your tickets at lacountyfair.com. But you can win them here on KABC. A fourth caller will get those tickets,
1: and then you get to go to a concert and eat deep-fried cotton candy meatballs.
0: <laughs> what they should—they should have an eating contest to see how many. Uh, buckets full of uh, cotton candy somebody could eat of course that might induce diabetes is
1: there any way we can stop talking about food
0: <laughs> oh man the del taco
1: this morning wasn't enough for you
0: how'd you know i had del taco because <laughs> i'm the seeing cup?
1: your cup right okay. there yeah i did and it. also
0: i know you <laughs> You're like Sherlock Holmes, Randy. Uh-huh. So, uh, Burning Man festival, uh, Rob and Randy, you guys, uh, devotees, you ever head to the Burning Man <laughs> festivals?
1: Oh, there was a time where I thought I would explain, I would explore that, really? but then I
0: stopped doing ecstasy
1: and realized those things are stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well one stupid guy I mean he who knows what led to it uh ecstasy he, uh, well the poor guy's dead Aaron Joel Mitchell age 41 he's at of course the, he's dead he's, he ran into a fire. exactly right he so he breaks through a two layer security <laughs> perimeter jumped into the burning man at yeah, burning man. Yeah. Now and but apparently this is not the first time this has happened. Guys have tried but he he actually he was like a running back, you know, he's weaving through the uh the layers of security. So Nevada's Pershing uh, County Sheriff Jerry Allen says there was a crowd of about 50,000 people there in Nevada at this Burning Man festival and so the guy runs through, and he's airlifted to the UC Davis Burn Center, and he's dead. He's they, a goner, yeah. They say he was not under the influence of alcohol, but the toxicology report is still pending. Nobody goes to Burning Man
1: and doesn't do peyote, acid, mushrooms, and ecstasy all combined.
0: So they say, we don't know if it was intentional or if it was just kind of <laughs> induced by drugs, according to the sheriff. Uh, apparently, he'd been living in Switzerland with his wife, and... Uh, uh, He's a married man. Yeah. An adult. Yeah, so 70,000 people are attending this art and music celebration in the Black Rock Desert. It's about 100 miles north of Reno. You know, organizers are offering emotional support and counseling, but saying in a statement... Um, oh, he's
2: dead. Why, do they, why does he need counseling now?
0: Well, it's for everybody else because it's oh, kind of like post-traumatic oh, stress disorder. Yeah. yeah, They said, now is the time for closeness, contact, and community. Trauma needs processing. Oh, please Promote calls, hugs, self-care, check-ins, and sleep. But they're not canceling the next burn. No, and no, no.
2: half of them are buying marshmallows and getting sticks, and I they guess. don't care.
0: Attendees have tried before to uh, run into the flames while the man is burning. and really? there, there have been reported injuries from people trying to get a, a piece of the <laughs> spectacle as a token. Oh, I can mm. understand that. You know, you'd want... Uh, Take a little something home and put it on the mantle.
1: Hey, drugs that make you do real dumb stuff. Oh, my God. I've I run the into the
2: Hooters' fryer a time or two if the wings were taking too long. Well, that's about the extent of my craziness.
0: <laughs> the uh, the sheriff said this is the only fatality he's aware of in his 15 years with the county. See, people try to run into the fire as part of their spiritual portion of Burning <laughs> really? Man. You you don't sound like you're impressed with the seriousness of this, Rob Marinko. He says the significance of the man burning, it's kind of like rebirth. They burn the man to the ground. A Mm. new chapter has started. Mm -hmm. It's part of the tenets of radical self-expression. So
2: it's nice to be young and have some money and spare time and drugs, I guess.
0: I suppose. Says in 2014, a man in Utah died by jumping into a huge ceremonial bonfire in an event that was similar to Burning Man. It was investigated as a suicide. So. They had They had to investigate propaganda? that, did they? Yeah. Uh, li- li- Darwinism <laughs> at its best. A little bit. Well, there was a movie, did they call it Burning Man? It was about a, it was a British deal where a British policeman goes to investigate uh, you know, this, this weird cult type group. You you oh. guys you guys haven't uh, checked not, that not out familiar, on, no. on Amazon yet? Yeah. No. Yeah, well I don't want to you know spoil it, but uh well, it sounds intriguing, actually. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing, only uh you no know, nobody tries to run into the fire. Hmm. Time is 753 on Talk Radio. 790 kabc royal oaks in for doug mcintyre when we come back a real life vampire here on kbc goes... 8 29 the time talk radio 790 kabc royal oaks in for doug mcintyre well rob marinko um you know uh, these brothers, Paul and Brandon Veilkind. I in do not trouble. know these brothers. Yeah. No. Well, they're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, their mom had a beef with some this mega church, uh, Harvest Orange County, a giant evangelical church in Irvine. And uh, I can understand loyalty to mom. Apparently, they got a couple of rifles and they broke into the church and they threw smoke bombs. I, you know, I can understand. Who hasn't done that? Yeah, exactly. But here's the, here's my problem. They were nude. Oh, uh, why? One of them why? was nude. The other apparently had. Tidy whities. Oh. Now, why would they? Uh, again, I get the rifle and the smoke bomb. I get yeah. breaking into the church. Sure. You gotta, oh, you yeah. gotta stick Express with mom uh-huh. exactly. But in the Buffalo makes no sense whatsoever
2: maybe they just wanted to be sure that the swat team understood they were not <laughs> armed exactly except they were except kind
0: of. except for the rifles yeah, they were except totally for the rifles un, totally they could be arm. still hiding a piece somewhere yeah you're right yeah oh. i don't want to think about it but you're right Eight thirty, the time talk radio 790 KABC, abc royal and for doug hey when we come back after the news jim Murray from inside edition but right now rob marinko with the headlines 837 The Time, Talk Radio, 790K ABC, Royal Oaks, In for Doug McIntyre this Labor Day. We're delighted to be joined by our friend Jim Moray, Inside Edition Chief Correspondent. Jim, welcome to the program.
4: Good morning. You were playing in with Steely Dan. It's so, so sad about Walter Becker, isn't it, passing away yesterday?
0: You know, Randy Wang has been playing Steely Dan all morning in a homage to him. Now, do, did you know the band or any of the members?
4: uh well i, I knew w- one of the session players larry carlton actually i went to his concert last night and he he played many of the uh, uh famous guitar solos they, they used to bring in different studio musicians to play solos and they use their favorite ones but walter becker was one of the founders with donald fagan wow. and he was 67 and, and you think i, I you, steely dan was one of my favorite groups still is i listen to him all the time and and, and it's just sad. 67 seems just far too young.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, uh, as I say, randy, Randy's randy been uh, honoring them uh, all morning long. Uh, Jim Ray, it's great to talk to you because I don't know if you heard our last segment about uh, about the uh, cutting the vocal cords of the dogs. It was very contentious, and it's nice to have a friend on with us where we can kind of, you know, all be on the same. Did, did you happen to hear that? Exactly. Did you happen to hear that? I, did. I, I, I I I just can't listen to that kind of stuff. It, well, heard... it, it, hey, was, you it was right.
4: Are with uh, Rob today, by the way? Same are again? with Rob? Yes. Hey, Rob Jim, Lorenzo how are you doing? here's actually okay. here, yes. Okay. <laughs> so here's, 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 the, here's, the, here's the ad for you. So instead of Royal and Rob say, you need some R and R today. Oh hey, wow, that's hi. very catchy. So, look
0: at that. You're like Don Draper from <laughs> Mad Men Joe, who, who needs McIntyre I, I, in the morning I'm, with I'm, that? I'm working
4: I'm working for you guys, okay? <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate it.
0: Well the reason I was saying it, it's nice to talk to a friend is it was so contentious. That guy, Tom from Malibu, did you hear his story? Apparently his friend was a child actor in high noon, you know, like the kid that says, oh, I'll help you, Marshall Kane. And Gary Cooper gives the kid a dog, and the dog then is barking too much. And so the guy, Tom was calling in from Mallory to say, eh, no big whoop, you know, we cut the vocal cords, he's okay. And the, and the guy from the uh, the society, the Humane Society, he was hearing nothing of it. So it was tense, okay? Now, now we're here with Jim Murray, our friend. And by the way, uh, Jim is an author, Rob Marinka. I don't know if you know this, but he has written a fabulous book called The Last Day of My Life. And so uh, everybody should run out and buy it. I, I've read it. It's, it's a wonderful book. Uh, I have to say that, you know, occasionally I'll mention this on the air. Jim, have you noticed uh, the sales spiking? Like one day the book will be down with the VCR Here repair manual, and then the next day it's up there with Dale Carnegie's <laughs> How to Win Friends and Insult. Have you noticed that?
4: No, no kidding, Royal. When I'm on with you, I notice a spike in sales, you and do. I'm not kidding.
0: And speaking uh, of that, yeah. have you read How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, Jim Murray?
4: I I didn't have to. I lived it.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. Good. I, <laughs> I, I think it's it's one of the most influential pieces uh, that, that I've read. So Jim Moray has been working on some fascinating stories on Inside Edition, and the the first one I wanted to chat about, Jim, was this Charlie Sheen truther deal. I didn't realize. He was a 9-11 truther. I guess he's kind of like Rosie O'Donnell, has some real doubts about whether it was an inside job or something, but apparently he's starring in a, a brand-new film about the 9-11 oh, disaster. No. Yeah, yeah. So, Jim, tell us yeah. about
4: Yeah. Well, the casting is kind of interesting. The the, the, the the movie is basically about five people who are trapped in an elevator during the 9-11 tragedy, and mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen is typecast as a Wall Street broker. So, and and I think it's because of his of his role in wall street obviously so uh, yeah, look you know what uh, a lot of people have been very offended by the trailer that was shown on youtube a couple of months back because they said it was insensitive and and overly dramatic the the filmmaker really said this is about heroes and it's and and it's it done with respect but the problem is as you mentioned you know charlie sheen uh, several years back, he was on the Alex Jones radio show talking about conspiracies and talking about how the towers came down in the controlled demolition and how this, is, this can't possibly be. And he called on Obama to give us the truth. And, and so I think casting him is problematic for this movie, and it could certainly affect the business. Not to say he's not a great actor, but you know, sometimes you have to look at what the impact will be on, on, on the audience.
0: It does make it more complicated when people are are aware of the fact that he's got some strong opinions. But it's kind of weird, don't you think, Jim, when we listen to celebrities? I mean, I I noticed the United Nations invited Leonardo DiCaprio to give a speech on climate change. I mean, you know, I love Titanic and all that, but climate change? Is is Leo really qualified to to speak to the U.N.? There are
4: some There are some celebrities who really do know what they're talking about. But the fact is, Royal, and you know this, we're in a celebrity culture. And if Kim Kardashian says something's great, people are going to go out and buy it. I don't know why. I don't get it. But if, if she shows up at the U.N., I'm, I'm canceling my cable. Everybody
2: knows DiCaprio's jet runs on vegetable oil. so yes,
0: That's right. Of
4: course it does. Yes. No, canola oil.
2: There you go. We're
0: talking with Jim Murray, chief correspondent for Inside Edition. Uh, now, you've also been working on a, a story about a guy who uh, was dealing with a shark. Apparently he was trying to escape police custody, and he wound up being threatened by a shark. Tell us what about that.
4: Oh, this is this is my favorite story of the week. There's a guy who's in North Carolina who gets stopped uh, by traffic cops. Uh, they, they, they they stop him for speeding. They look his car and believe they see drug paraphernalia, and they and they seek to arrest him. He takes off and runs straight to the beach, which is right there, and just runs into the water wow. and starts swimming and <laughs> swimming and swimming. And he swims 4,000 feet offshore, so almost a mile. Police send up drones with one of the drones, and they had to keep bringing the drones back because they'd run out of battery <laughs> power for about three hours. <laughs> And, and there's a shark that they see on the drone that's not, I don't know, several yards away from the guy. He finally, after three hours, gets tough, comes in and gets arrested. It turns out he's from Washington State. I, I actually spoke to him from jail. Really? I, I, <laughs> yes, I did. I, 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 we, we somehow were able to contact him, our producers, and he, he gave me a collect call. I recorded it. We put it on the air on Friday. And, and I said, what the heck were you thinking? And, and he apparently had a warrant out and in Washington. And when he was picked up in North Carolina, he didn't want to be arrested. So he did the next best thing he he took. Wow. Jim,
2: did did, did he explain what kind of drug he was on to outswim a shark? He,
4: he wasn't, he says he was not on drugs and he says he didn't have drug paraphernalia. However, all right, I don't know anybody who can swim for three hours. Well, <laughs> I, I, 20, I'm looking at so the maybe news report. he's just in really
0: good shape. The news report, Jim, says he was charged with resisting arrest, obstructing an officer, yes. possession of drug paraphernalia, methamphetamine, there you go. and marijuana. Yes. I, I wonder if he was sort of a Johnny Weissmuller, and, and I do that reference for Rob because I know he was a big fan, uh, or did the drugs propel him through the water maybe? That's... In, well, well, he wasn't. I don't
4: think he was charged with being under the influence, which would suggest that he was on the drug. So I don't want to I don't want to dismirch his character any more than it's <laughs> already. Right. No, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim Murray, last question. I wonder if you yeah. noticed the uh, the anniversary, August 29, uh, just a few days ago, the 50th anniversary of the finale of The Fugitive. Did you, did you uh, mark that? Did you, you know do what? a big, uh, like I, a two-parter for the that, Inside Edition? No. Royal, you and I are the
4: only two people on this, on this radio station <laughs> right now that, that are old enough to remember the original series with David Jansen.
0: Oh, my grandfather I, I told know. me about it. Yeah, I,
4: I, I bet. Oh, hey, speaking of television, can I make a quick note? Sure. Inside Edition has been on the air, this is 30 years. We're making a major change next week. We're moving to KCBS Channel 2, 7 p.m. So we're not going to be on in the afternoons anymore. It'll be two o'clock. Obviously, two o'clock. It'll be seven o'clock. Channel two. Oh, seven excellent. Channel two, which means royal when you're on Inside Edition so many more people will see you, your, your law firm is going to explode with business.
0: This is fabulous. Congratulations. You're right. I think you're going to have a bigger audience. So KCBS, uh, 7 p.m. starting next week, congratulations to, to Inside Edition and to you. And, uh, Jim, I really, really appreciate you taking time out on a holiday to chat with us. Uh, fabulous stories as always.
4: Well, as I said earlier, I wanted some R&R today.
0: <laughs> well, you got it. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Jim Murray, ladies and gentlemen, you have a great holiday. Uh, the time is eight forty six. Uh, the place is Talk Radio seven ninety KABC. We got some traffic with Bill Thomas, Bill.